Hello, I'm Simit Bose. Welcome to the Net Hero podcast. Now, if you've been listening, my very first podcast, well, nearly two years ago, was all about nuclear energy. And it's something I've come back to again and again. Now, I get criticised for it and I, I don't mind that, really. I think nuclear has a big role to play in our net zero future. But there are certain fundamental issues which still wrangle with the public. The cost of nuclear, the time it takes to build, the waste. And that's a real big problem for a lot of people that who even think after the government said that nuclear can be considered sustainable energy, who say, well, I don't think you're really considering the life cycle of fuel. So what do we do about spent fuel and nuclear waste? Well, one company that's looking to do something about it in an innovative new way is Nucleo. And I'm delighted to say the founder and CEO, Stefano Buono, is with us today. Stefano, ciao. Ciao. Nice to meet you all. Oh, we could do it in Italian. Should we do it in Italian? No, 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 no. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you are Italian and you've been in the nuclear industry, you, you tell me, for decades. So how did it all begin? Yes, I am a physicist and I was a researcher in the 90s. And I was working in the European Center of Nuclear Research uh, in Geneva. One day, our boss, director, General, who is also a Nobel laureate, Carlo Rubia, proposed an idea to for a more sustainable nuclear power, uh, a system that could uh, actually solve the problem of safety, because of the in the 90s, safety was a really concern after Chernobyl, yeah. but yeah. could really solve the problem of nuclear waste as well. So that was so attractive, it was something that could change the world, and they started to work with him in the 90s. And the key of this technology was the use of lead as a coolant to be able to essentially create a physics inside the reactor that would smash all of the nuclear waste in a much efficient way than the normal reactors. That was the idea. And at the time, there was no concerns about decarbonization. Yeah. Price of oil was $12 per barrel. Mm. We made an outstanding project, but we couldn't build it because it was too expensive nuclear yeah. with respect to the, yeah. the energy. So I had a, a little bit of a stop, 15 years creating a nuclear company, which became uh, essentially the biggest in the world. It was sold uh, to Novartis for $4 billion in a transaction on NASDAQ in 2018. And finally, it could come back to make this project a reality because the situation has completely changed today. There is a huge need of decarbonization. And now there is also a significant need for uh, energy independence, which is a part of the equation when you propose a new nuclear, because uh, nuclear is clearly net zero, but it's also a way to gain nuclear energy independence for a country. And I maybe explain a little bit later why. I think the thing that's very interesting is that, with respect, Stefano, if I'd built a company and I'd sold it four billion, I'd be sitting on a beach, a beach in uh, you know southern Italy or, or the Maldives. Why, why? Why did you come back to this idea you had sort of twenty odd years ago about using weight? What drove you to bring this? new company into existence? I think that when you are uh, made something very successful, what has, uh, you know, the most successful thing that uh, you can do is to create an impact. Uh -huh. So I had the opportunity to create impact of, on people's lives because we created new drugs that uh, were treating cancer in a very effective way yeah. with nuclear medicine. And now I wanted to come back and create an impact in the energy. I knew that I had the strategy to be able to create a series impact and I couldn't just lay down on the beach or on my catamaran <laughs> and it was really a moral obligation 
for me to create this company and to work uh, 24-7 almost. Because even when I sleep, I think about what uh, we have to do. You're thinking of uranium when you sleep. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's explain to the listener. And I know it's very complicated, but you're an expert. If we can make it very simple. How does a normal modern nuclear reactor work? And what are these new small modular reactors? And what is the fuel? So if we can go back to basic, like sort of nuclear energy 101, how do we make nuclear energy? What are the raw materials? What do we do to it? And what is the waste product at present? Well, it's pretty simple because to make uh, nuclear power with fission, you have to fission essentially the uranium. So you take uh, the uranium from the mines, but uh, if you put it together, it's very difficult to make a reactor because the part of the uranium that is uh, fissionable, so that can create this energy, is only 0.7%. So you have to enrich this uranium. So let's say to make one gigawatt electric, you have to extract more or less 200 tons of uranium from the heart for one gigawatt electric for one year. It's a, not a lot of material, but still, it's important. Then you have to enrich this uranium. So you create a 24 tons of fuel. Of these 24 tons of fuel, what you really transform is only 900 kilograms. So out of the 200 tons that you have extracted from Earth to make a nuclear fission in these modern reactors, you only consume 900 kilograms. So your real nuclear waste is 900 kilograms and are the product of this fission. So light elements that remain radioactive for a while, but then they, they lose this radioactivity. So the waste is uh, the most dangerous part of the waste comes from the fact that today's reactor don't fission all the uranium, but create also elements that are heavier than the uranium. Right. The most known is plutonium because it's been used to make the bombs. Yeah. And also because its lifetime is 250,000 years. And most of these uh, elements last for so long. That's why you associate nuclear energy to a big problem of waste because you have radioactive material, very toxic, that remains for so long, for hundreds of thousands of years. And so the only solution is put it underground. Yeah. And uh, not many countries in the world has taken the decision. Finland is building an underground facility to store the nuclear waste, but not many have taken this decision because it's also very costly. So what do we do? Yeah, just before yeah. we go to that, you know, that's a really great explanation, but you talk about the 200 tons you start with and you get down to 900 kilograms of the actual kind of fuel. What happens to the rest of all that material? So the kind of uranium ore and the other elements, because is that not waste as well? Yes, it remains in the deposit because the uranium is not uh, dangerous at all. Right. Uh, but yes, radioactivity has no use in real life. So because of the natural radioactivity of the elements, so they just stay into cans. And then the plutonium and the most dangerous uh, elements, they are either mixed uh, with this fuel bar so they remain into the spent fuel, yeah. so you don't treat them. Yeah. Or some companies, uh, some countries treat them, extract the plutonium because they want to make new fuel. Right. Fuel named MOX, mixed oxide. Yes, I've heard of MOX. Yeah. yeah. Instead of enriching the natural uranium, they mix the uranium with the plutonium, which is still fissile, so still can produce energy but it's more complicated to handle. So in terms of the waste we're getting now, one other step we ought to explain to the listeners, the actual fission process, in a nutshell, you basically 
bring these rods, they call it rods, don't they? Yes. Uranium. You bring them to a certain temperature for the actual fission to occur. Is that right? Well, we take, uh, our idea is to use, reuse these uh, 200 tons per gigawatt produced 200 times because we want to to burn all of it so we can transform all of this uh, material into into waste so to make uh, out of this uh, extracted uranium use it for 200 years not for one year to produce one gigawatt and at the end yeah. not having all of these very long-lived elements only these fissure fragments that after 250 years have completely disappeared the radioactivity is no more there so that's what we want to do the waste at present once you've taken that 200 tons you get the 900 kilograms how long will that 900 kilograms last how long before it's spent is it a year 10 years 15 years how long technically is 250 years before coming back to the original uh, natural radioactivity of the element. Right. But, uh, you know, 900 kilograms is less than a cubic meter. Yeah. So you have one gigawatt electric producing less than a cubic meter of waste to keep in a container for a short period of time. And then it, you can even reuse this material. This is uh, 12% of this is rare arts. So it is really a circular economy what you are creating if you go into the multi-recycling of the nuclear waste. And to do this, you have to use these faster reactors. So these uh, lead reactors in, a, in our case, because it's the only way to create the physics that allows the multi-recycling and the complete use of the uranium that has been extracted. But just to give you an idea, in UK, there is enough material for hundreds of thousands of years of electricity. We are not talking about uh, a small thing. In, in France, the nuclear waste can power the full country for 2,000 years. It's an incredible amount of uh, energy that we have already extracted that is in our deposits. This material is mostly in, in Sellafield in UK. Yeah. That can still be reused many times. So this is our objective, to be able to reuse this uh, resource that we have and that can be transformed into energy. Let's go to the basics of this. So you talk about lead. Again, if you can explain this to me, what are the reactors using at present if they're not using lead? And what makes lead reactors better at extracting more of the energy from the waste? Yes, lead is only the coolant. So the reactor works because you put the fuel, that is uranium, into bars. Yeah. And then the reaction heat, in general, water. Yes. You bring this, uh, this hot water into steam generator and you use a turbine. So that is how we, with the first loop, rather than using pressurized water, we use liquid lead. Uh -huh. Liquid lead is very heavy element. So the physics that you create inside is, uh, is a bit different. It's well known because there has been many faster reactors using sodium, another liquid metal rather than lead in the past. So you create, uh, what is creating uh, the fissions are the neutrons. Neutrons are emitted during the fission and they, they kick other atoms and they break it. If you create in a water reactor, the neutrons are very calm. So sometimes they, they cannot kick an uranium atoms, they are absorbed. That's why they create heavier and heavier elements. In a reactor like ours, the neutrons are very energetic. So as soon as uh, 
the heat and, and a heavy atom like uranium, they split it. I, I simplify a little bit, but this is what's happening. So with a fast reactor, you don't create all of the heavy, heavy elements uh, after the uranium. So you don't create a dead part of the nuclear waste, which is the most dangerous. Wow. I'm simplifying, but uh, in a sense is this. And the faster reactor, do you produce technically more fission? Do you produce more energy? No, we can. Uh, the way then uh, the reactor works is uh, is very easy to you make um, the right size for the, the energy you want to use. Now uh, we enter into the domain of the small modular reactors. So a yes. strategy that is more industrial. What happened in the past, the nuclear energy was not competitive uh, versus fossil energy. Of course. So what they tried to do is to increase the, the investment, so the power of the reactors, and, uh, and to make very long-lived reactors. This uh, economically is leading to projects that cost too much and are too long to be executed. So all of the industries coming back to the idea of making smaller machine that can be done in three years. So why you need to make a, a huge workshop for 10 years uh, on a land to make a huge reactor that is at the limit of what the industry can do? Let's make smaller reactors that can be produced in series. You, have, you can have a supply chain of manufacture for all your, your pieces, and you just have to assemble. So the idea of a small modular reactor is that essentially you build a reactor in three years. That is where we have to go. But they don't really exist right now, do they? I mean, we've heard stuff about in China, in France, they've been using the huge, you know, I went to Flamanville 12, 13 years ago. It's still not fully up. Uh, we've got problems with Hinkley. And everyone talks about small modular reactors, but I can't, you probably know better than me, but I, I can't think of anything that's really up and running. Is this all kind of, dare I say, theory rather than practice? And if, if it is so, effective why aren't we doing much more of this globally it was only for economical reason because they are they, they are potentially more uh, more expensive you, we have so many small modular reactors we have uh, today 180 for example ships or submarines that are using uh, yeah gotcha yeah <laughs> These are small modular reactors. We had the 400 uh, at the end of the Cold War. <laughs> so a lot of reactors around the world, small, but economically they are less competitive than the big machine. The problem is that we went too big. Yes. We, we make gigawatt uh, reactors because we exaggerated. It was a mistake of the industry. Now we have to come back. We have to go around the 200, 300 because the dimension of the, of the bigger components of this can be done in a factory and delivered on site. In these big reactors that you have visited, there are the factories are built to make the components. So you build a factory on the site to make the components. These reactors suffered of a change of legislation because after Fukushima, mm. safety authorities of France decided to increase of a factor 10 the safety uh, parameters of the reactors and this led to a lot of uh, engineering change and also new licensing so what we are observing now is also the result of fukushima indirectly so all of the the construction the design had to change so now i believe that after having built five or six uh, maybe they would be faster but still they will be there is a speed that cannot be overcome because you have to 
because they are complex. So the small modular reactors really try to make it very, very fast, like building a ship in series. You you have a you you build the component, you they, they come to the place, they are assembled. In uh, three years, the reactor is ready to be started. And it has to be always the same because also the, the difficulty of this big project is that the suppliers change all the time. Yeah. They're different from one country to another. You have to rebuild the supply chain every time. You have to qualify the suppliers. This has not been uh, conceived as a modular business because it was impossible. You maybe only have one supplier in the world who can build a certain thing. So it is going a little bit smaller or significantly smaller, allows now to create a supply chain that can be fast and effective. That's, um, that's the real transformation of the industry today. Is it going to happen? Is there the political will? Is there the commercial interest in companies to go down this path of the small modular reactors? And then obviously looking at stuff you're doing about reusing the waste as much as possible. Do you think there is a commercial market at present? Definitely there is. The energy produced in Europe, the electrical energy, has to be, be multiplied by three by the end of 2050 because of the electric cars, because of everything that yeah. we work yeah. electric yeah. To, be, to decarbonize. If you think that, uh, you know, half of the power, electric power is made with fossil fuel today, the market is immense. We need everything. We need the renewables and we need nuclear. All of the other manufacturing of energy without net, without the, the production of CO2 has to work. And we are even late, even if everyone, everyone succeeds in that. So there is a, a huge market. And I believe that uh, being small and modular is the smart way. We have learned uh, the nuclear industry has 70 years of experience. So we have learned from the past. We have learned from the past not to make errors, not to create accidents very well, because there are no more accidents. We have learned uh, from the past how to make these, uh, these industries also cost-effective. And uh, we have to learn how to make it also very sustainable. And this is our role of our company, is to add uh, this uh, push to say, hey, but not let's use <laughs> fully the, the waste now. Because this is, uh, these are the three problems of uh, nuclear, the cost, the safety, and the waste. Correct. So let's not forget about the waste and uh, consider that there is 200 times the energy in the uranium that has been extracted with respect to what we have been using so far. So why extracting more uranium? Let's use this as fuel. So let's think about the advantages. Yeah, that, I mean, you, you've painted a really good picture. So if your vision comes to fruition, you're saying the waste we already have that's sitting there in places like Sellafield and Flammerville or wherever they are around the world, you can reuse that waste again and again. Yeah. You can also reduce the need for fresh uranium mining. And you're, you're hopeful or you're certain you can reduce the, the risk of radioactivity in the waste. Absolutely. And the good news is that I'm not inventing anything. I'm just using <laughs> existing technology. It's just a new industrial strategy. That's all. We have to put together these existing elements, the know-how on lead. The Russians have built lead submarines. We have to... Mox has been 
produced in France for 60 years. It has been produced in Belgium for, for the same amount of time. So it's well known. It's the fuel that was used in Super Phoenix. We are using exactly the same design, the same materials. So it's, we are just resembling what is existing in a new industrial strategy that is possible because we are starting from zero. Nuke, all of the nuclear industry is living a, a renaissance. And so, but we have the opportunity to start with a more sustainable approach. And this is what we, we did. Our choices were driven by sustainability. Two things I want to, before we end, I think you spoke at Davos, did you? Is that right? You were on a panel at Davos? Yes. And you talked about the biggest problem is education, preparing policymakers, politicians, and the public to understand about this. And I'm afraid, Stefano, I mean, I like what you've said, and I get it, I can believe it. But if I asked 20 people in the streets of London or Milan, I reckon you'd probably get 19 saying, oh, it's just too dangerous. I don't like it. That there's a real human gut feeling against because too many people equate nuclear energy with nuclear missiles. And they, they, work, they think of Chernobyl, they think of Fukushima. So if the challenge is to overcome by educating, what do we need to do? What do you want to, the industry to do to educate people? Yes. First is understanding what happened in the past. You tell it right. It was associated with the bomb. But why the fear was associated with the bomb? Because who had the nuclear bomb had the power. Yeah. The fear of nuclear was pushed into the mind of people to create more fear of the nuclear bombs. Nuclear bombs are very powerful, terrible, but the radiation is associated with the nuclear bomb is ridiculous. There has been thousands and thousands of nuclear bombs that exploded in the atmosphere to make the test. And nobody realized that because there is really, the amount of radioactivity is ridiculous in a human bomb. So, but associating this fear with the fallout, with the movies, uh, with the catastrophic yeah. movies has been a, a systematic work to make people fear about nuclear. Then the oil industry, was very happy of the fear about nuclear because the, at a certain moment in the 70s, they, they, fear, they feared that uh, nuclear energy would become uh, too, too important. So also them, they contribute very much to, to that. Now, the youngest generation, they want a decarbonized world. They, so they said, okay, there is nuclear, which is completely decarbonized. Is it true that it was so dangerous? So they are digging into the information. They are finding out that the narrative about nuclear has been biased in the past and they're searching the truth. So these, the youngest generation, are probably the most, the best allied, allies today for uh, in educating the, the, the people. The, the reason why we are speaking, I wouldn't have done it for my previous company, but I need to uh, explain to the people as much as I can. So I'm spending also some time in educating. That's why I'm going to Davos. Davos is not, a, we are not building a reactor at Davos, but it's, at least we can explain what we are doing. It's very important. We even uh, supported financially the Oliver Stone documentary, Nuclear Now, that is going to, yeah. you know, it's going to come soon in UK as well. Just uh, was just released in US. Uh, that is, uh, you know, Part of many things that we can do to educate, first the people, really, it's more important, but also the politicians. But the politicians then do what is what the people want to do. In Europe, we have an incredible first effects of this nuclear activism that we are seeing, because countries like the Netherlands, Sweden, 
Belgium, even maybe Italy, <laughs> they are coming back and they want to do nuclear again. So even, uh, and uh, the more I receive a lot of um, information and I heard at that time uh, in the history of Denmark and uh, Germany, it seems that the population now is more in favor than nuclear than, than before, the population. So it is very interesting and also very fast what is happening. I'm very happy because we really need nuclear for net zero. It is essential that also nuclear is part of the energy balance of the future because we need this part of energy that is uh, available 24-7. So absolutely. So I'm very happy that this is really happening. Of course, uh, you cannot change the world from one day to another, but in a few years, no, we will no. see the real difference. Before we go, so what's the short-term plans for nuclear? When are you going to start? Have you got the funding to try and build a, a sort of test plant or... Where are we? We are uh, operating in three countries, UK, France and Italy. In Italy, we are building a, a non-nuclear reactor mm. to facilitate the licensing in UK and France. And this will be ready by 26. Then we will build a, a first of a kind in France and, uh, and also the first fuel factor in France because of the know-how and because of the fact that uh, we, we are receiving a huge support by the French government. Last Monday was with President Macron and uh, we announced uh, a three billion investment into France for realizing this fuel factory and the first nuclear reactor. And there will be a significant support from France on, the, on this program. But in UK, we are already initiated the demand to make a generic design assessment with the Office for Nuclear Regulation to, for our first commercial unit, which we want to deliver to UK in 2032. 200 megawatt electric machine. That would be the first commercial version of, of what we are developing. So we are willing and wishing to engage immediately with the Office for Nuclear Regulation to start the regulatory path to deliver this, uh, this reactor in UK by 2032. But this will be the first of a, a series of reactors. Our intention is to install and uh, operate four gigawatt electric in UK using private money, essentially. That's the big picture. Yeah, that is a big picture. But, uh, you know, if you have to invest uh, in a 200 megawatt electric uh, reactor that is uh, realized uh, in a few years and it costs 800 million rather than 30 billion, the financial mm. effort that is needed is completely different. So it is possible then for the private world to invest much easier in a nuclear reactor, in, in nuclear energy, if we make this um, uh, more effective also financially more effective and the small modular reactors can can do it and in our case we help uh, because we take care of the nuclear fuel that's a big also plan for uk we want to take this uh, 140 tons of plutonium that stays in Sellafield and uh, transform this plutonium into energy for the next uh, few hundred of years, mixing with the uranium that is already in Sellafield and creating a fuel factory in UK that would serve for the UK market. That's the, the objective, the plan. That's the vision. That's the big plan. I like it. I like it. My last question to you, is this really still something for the richer nations, the developed nations, or could you see this technology helping Places in sub-Saharan Africa, Indonesia, India, Brazil, you know, developing nations to get 
this sustainable cleaner power that we know nuclear comes with with the caveats we've already discussed yes i see this possibility because out of there are today 32 countries in the world that have nuclear but there are 30 that are, are willing to to have nuclear uh, new countries so that showed up to the international atomic energy agency and are engaging in the process of becoming a nuclear country so uh, we have to offer a different, more sustainable nuclear to this country. So, yeah. And uh, if we offer a solution that is uh, cheaper, uh, that is uh, uh, more clean, because we 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 don't create that waste that has been the the problem of uh, of the past. And uh, if we offer a safe reactors, which is the case for many new designs. Uh, not only ours, uh, that is has very powerful safety, but uh, also other the new design are also very safe as well. So we have to offer this possibility, and I see more and more uh, countries coming into the club. Uh, you know, in uh, in Africa, you have uh, Egypt that has started this process. You have in the Middle East uh, the Emirates, but also other countries that are preparing themselves to become nuclear civil nuclear countries. And of course, in Asia, very much. So it is possible. Definitely is possible. Bravo. Stefano, thank you. As I say in uh, Italy, in Bocca Lupo, I wish you well with it. <laughs> I think it's a very interesting take on where we can go, because I do believe that, you know, there is a massive role for nuclear, but it is the fuel element and the waste. That, and if you can solve that, then well done. Thanks for joining us on the Net Hero podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Help! Can I control energy costs for my business? How do I electrify my transport? Is cutting emissions hard? What is carbon negative? You'll get the answers to all these questions and more at the Big Zero Show on the 20th of June at the CBS Arena in Coventry. Register for your free ticket now. Big names. Big opportunities. BigZeroShow.com You've been listening to the Net Hero Podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to net zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.